0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Clever Kids uh, Podcast. Did you see
1: Clever Kids? Did I? <laughs> yeah, start over. <laughs>
0: Welcome to another episode of The Mighty Rewind. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers take a look at a movie and a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name is Tyler. You got Brian here. And that pause you're hearing is Jeff. Jeff is out again. Um, mysterious absence this week. We're worried about him. If you've seen him, please call.
1: I think, um, I think the play he's trying to make is he's trying to show us that... Uh, the quality of the pod will go down without him and how much value he has to us. But what he doesn't realize is we're not skipping a beat.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's really nice not having to stop conversation to ask him what his opinion is. (laughs) And also it's great not having to interrupt him every time he talks, you know, I just cut out the middleman. I can just, I can just interrupt you now. You
1: can just continue to just talk too much. So
0: You know what? If you guys talked more, I would have less space to fill on this podcast. That's all I'm saying.
1: What do you think about that, Jeff?
0: Oh, that's right. Jeff's still not here. (laughs) This week, we are talking about um, the first movie in our Most Dangerous Game series, Man Hunting Man Movies. Um, I chose a movie from 2003 called The Hunted, directed by William Friedkin, written by David and Peter Griffiths, starring... Tommy Lee Jones, Benicio Del Toro, and Connie Nielsen. Um, I chose this movie because I had to pick my movie topic and movie last minute, and (laughs) I looked through the list of movies that I had uh, saved on my list on Amazon and HBO and Netflix and stuff, and I was like, what movie do I want to watch this week? Like, I only really have time to watch one movie this week. What's it going to be? And this movie had been on my list for a while and been on my radar because I really am a huge fan of Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio del Toro and them together seemed good. The Fugitive was one of my favorite movies growing up. I really love that movie and I was like maybe this is just a movie that went under the radar in 2003 because it was going up against movies like The Second Matrix movie and you know what Spider-Man 3 or whatever you know like I'm thinking of the movies that are going coming out in this in like that era and this movie is very different to that it's almost counter programming so it would make sense that it would go under the radar but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad movie well I didn't check the reviews and I didn't read anything about it and I picked it and you know what I don't think it was a bad movie but I don't think it was a particularly good movie Brian what do you think
1: uh, I mean it was fine it, it, I don't regret watching it, but at the same time, I probably wouldn't pick it back up again. So, you know, I, as we'll get into, there were things I enjoyed, but um, overall, just kind of a meh film. Felt like they were just following two guys around the greater Portland area with a camera.
0: Yeah, that was the first thing that blew my mind in this. Um, wow. Just looking at 2003, the movies that came out in 2003. It's a big year, wasn't it? Yeah, X Two, X Men United, probably the best X Men film from that original trilogy. Pirates of the Caribbean One, <laughs> big one. Hulk, the first Hulk movie. Lord of the Rings: Return of the oh, King. Oh man,
1: that's a Daredevil,
0: Big Fish, Timeline, which isn't a good movie, but it is my favorite book by Michael Crichton.
1: That's the one with Paul Walker in the movie. Right? Yep.
0: Um, the Core, Underworld, the first Underworld movie, <laughs> um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I yeah. mean, come they be- on, There were better Banger. things to spend your money on at the theater that year. Bruce Almighty, The Last Samurai, dude, oh, this was wow. a big year. Shattered Glass, the first movie with Hayden Christensen in it. That can't be right. Wait, when did the when did Attack of the Clones come out?
1: 2001?
0: No, that 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 no, that would have been Phantom Menace's 2001.
1: Oh, that's the one I'm picturing. Sorry, Attack of the Clones. I Matrix
0: Reloaded and Matrix Revolution both came out in 2003. Wow. <laughs> that's wild. It's a bad year to try to produce a oh, movie. Oh, dude, that Peter Pan movie that no one's seen except for us and we all love. That dude, came out in 2003. that movie, then you realize. Mystic River? That's a great movie and won the Academy Award that year for Best Picture. Terminator Three. Okay. Freddy vs. Jason. Kill Bill. The Italian Job. Yeah. What the hell was going on That's in two thousand three movies?
1: And you tried to holy this. shit. Monster. Right, I'm, I'm downgrading this just compared to what was coming out at the time. This is a hunk of garbage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Monster, the movie that got Charlize Theron her her Academy Award. Yeah. Jesus, man. What a crazy year! Oh, Charlie's Angels, full throttle. Mm-hmm. Ned Kelly came out in Australia. Heath Ledger movie, great movie. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! I did not realize such a great, great movie came out in two thousand three. Shanghai Nights. That's a great film. Dude, I'm um, not a joke. Sounds like a joke. I love that movie. No, oh, great. and the rundown. Those, those movies are great. There you go. Wow. Really big year for 2003. So that explains why this movie went under the radar because it's not as good as half of the movies I just read out here. Um, I'd say it's not as good as most of the movies I just read out. I should have watched any of those. Um, at any rate, I actually liked it. I did not know this movie was set in Portland when I picked it. Did you know that going in?
1: No, no. I All of a sudden they were talking about silver falls state park and i was like wow I, that sounds really familiar to me but then again that's a pretty common name there's probably yeah. silver falls in every state or something and then uh they were on the trails at silver falls and i was like wow this is taking me back when i first moved to oregon like the first weekend i was here i i went down there and and did like the 10 mile loop at silver falls and so when there's had the scenes in that Uh, Location. I was like, man, this is so weird. Like that looks like incredibly familiar. And then it just got the film got more and more familiar because for those who don't know that are listening, uh, we're uh, Tyler and I are both reside in the Pacific Northwest and have for the better part of the last decade. Uh, I lived in
0: Portland for like nine years.
1: Yeah, and uh, gosh, has it been that long now? Um,
0: Uh, Kelly, Kelly, and I are on our ten year anniversary this year. Thank you. I will accept your congratulatory gifts and emails. Um,
1: Yes. Um, and
0: we moved in to we moved to Portland together uh, just about a year uh, and yeah.
1: So so we've both been in the Pacific Northwest for a long time now, and so um, this film being shot in the Pacific Northwest was strange. Like it was it was cool, but like it felt kind of weird, like as if. Like, I was there one day, and they went running past me, and I didn't notice it or something. Like, some of the scenes were shot in, like, Portland neighborhoods that I was like, man, I I swear I've driven
0: down that street before. uh, We would have been 12. I would have been 12 when this movie was shot. (laughs) So there's a good chance that we would have been in Portland around that time. But I don't think that we were during the no, time of this
1: shooting. You know, for sure that we've been on uh, to many of the locations, though. But, you
0: know, just oh, different times. 100%. We one, um, in one of the scenes, they come out onto a street and it's facing a, a theater that Brian and I went and saw a one-man show at together a few years back. And I was like, that is not the location of the Portland Police Station. <laughs> so for those
1: that don't know, Portland's uh, residential areas have or it's really common to see houses like built up on kind of hilly landscape where the street will be kind of your ground level and then the houses are kind of on a like slope mm-hmm. um and at one point you know the movie takes you to a person's house in a portland residential neighborhood and I was like man this looks so familiar to me I swear yeah. I've I've been on this street before you know and it's just it's it's a very um you know, distinguishable look uh, about their neighborhoods that, you know, was just slapping me in the face while I watched this.
0: Yeah. It's uh, actually looking at the Wikipedia while I was watching the movie. Um, that that it, The whole production is just talking about the fact that it was filmed in Portland. Uh, film was, I'm just going to read it here. The film was partially filmed in and around Portland, Oregon and Silver Falls state park. All Portland scenes were filmed in Oxbow park, which is just south of Portland, actually, um, but it's a really great river walk for anyone who's visiting. The South Park blocks, the Columbia Boulevard treatment plant, and Tom McCall Waterfront Park. Those are some of the most famous tourist attractions in the city. I, when, um, first of all, let's just say full spoilers for this movie. This movie is from 2003 if you haven't seen it you know how this movie ends if you've ever seen any other movie it's it's exactly what you'd expect the hero wins um i uh when he's on the park blocks which is the wa- that waterfall mm-hmm. in southwest portland um he's looking around for benicio del toro and he looks to his right and he sees the the uh, waterfront park, which is, like, six blocks south, uh, east of it, of that location. And then he looks to his left and he sees, like, a train. And that's, like, hella north, you know? I was, like, I was just really laughing at how much they had to twist the geography yeah. of the city to, for, like, the different scenes, you know? To be honest, I noticed it in The Rock. I noticed it in other movies of in major cities. They do it everywhere. I do it in LA, where it's like you you sur- you go across mass distances in seconds, and it's like that doesn't make sense. Or like one Get second you know they're in the Southwest Portland, yeah. and then in the next second they're in Southeast, and then the next second they're in Northwest again, and it's like, how the hell did they do that? Um, yeah, I you know it happens in every movie. It just was so glaring to me because Portland isn't that big of a city. You know, it's a relatively small size. Um, so the the few attractions that we have the few very distinct monuments and things like that that we have are very glaringly obviously stretched in this movie. But you know what? Loved seeing it nonetheless. I loved yeah, that fun. the the, whole the final bridge
1: thing was cool. Yeah, the
0: the final confrontation takes place in, in uh Silver Falls. Um the uh the bridge, yeah, that bridge scene is like on a bridge that I drove across for nine years every day on my way home from work like just every job like i had was i had to cross that bridge like yeah the waterfront
1: stuff was a trip too like that was it was cool
0: yeah love that park um Mm -hmm. they, they didn't shoot it during the best time of year which is right now when all the chinese uh cherry blossoms uh bloom and we have all the pink petals everywhere but that would have been awesome if they had shot it during that because what a visually striking, um, chase scene that would be running through that park. Um, but yeah, I really loved the car chase scene where he's just ramming through cars, like onto Alberta street. It looks like, and just like absolutely destroying people's livelihoods. (laughs) Uh, very funny to me. Um, and you know what? Traffic, it's nice to know that traffic has always been that shitty in those tight, tight streets in Portland because our streets were not built yeah. for traffic. For anyone who has never been to Portland, the streets are like
1: they're technically two way streets, but they feel like one ways. They're just so narrow and it's they're like so narrow they're that not if designed. You- it feels like they were designed for when people were riding horse and buggies.
0: <laughs> like it doesn't feel like it was yeah. meant for car traffic going both ways so narrow people have huge front yards and they're just yeah they did not plan the Port- portland city planning is very outdated let's say um has not adapted with the times so our, our streets are very 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 narrow brian and i both lived in the same neighborhood at one point in that specific neighborhood was insane trying Incredibly to park. Incredibly narrow, yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> it was absolutely insane. Yeah, just imagine- If two one, cars describing... are coming down towards each other, one right. of them literally had to park so that the other right. one could You c- have to get off to... onto the curb. Yes, yeah, like you play like a little couch. game of chicken.
1: And people <laughs> yeah. park in the street. and it, Yeah, it's um,
0: it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. It, very fun. You get um, used to it though. I love seeing it. I love seeing a car chase filmed in those streets. I, I <laughs> wish they kind of had done it better. So- one of the reasons I wanted to watch this movie is because I saw that William Friedkin directed it. William Friedkin directed The Exorcist, um, and one other major movie in the '70s, which is called The French Connection, which is was my other backup choice for car chase cinema last last couple of weeks, um, because it has one of the what is widely considered to be the best car chase like ever committed to screen to cinema. Like widely considered that, Um, or it used to be, because they didn't get permits, so they just drove like maniacs. They like shot it guerrilla style in the streets of I think Philadelphia or Chicago, um, but also could be New York. But um, it's just a classic of the heist genre, crime genre, um, and uh, great car chase. But freaking kind of dropped off the map for a long time, Um, and then. I found out that he had done this movie and that made me want to watch it. I was like, well, what was he doing around that time? And uh, for them to film a car chase in Portland that was so not a car chase, you know what I mean? It was just a man, um, a maniac crashing into people's cars. Um, I was kind of blown away. I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit more exciting. I don't know. Let's talk about the movie as a whole though. Do you, let's compare this to, two much better movies that this movie is clearly trying to emulate Rambo First Blood and The Fugitive both of them have a lot of shared blood right you can see the DNA yeah this movie had the same vibe
1: like you're like in this wet woods like it's cold and miserable but you guys are just dealing with it in a jacket like you know like well I think Rambo in the water
0: (laughs) doesn't Rambo take place in Oregon uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm yeah, it up. yeah. Maybe it does. Rural Washington, but it was filmed wow. in British Columbia. Wow. Well, but yeah. Anyway, so it's Pacific Northwest. Totally British Columbia is Pacific felt, Northwest. So it, it it's felt the like the little man, plan.
1: like the hunt chases, could have just like passed each other by. Like they, it all felt <laughs> the same to me. Like the you're just cold and damp, and you're just dealing with wet conditions up
0: here which I mean they often you are. they I get so much first blood vibes from that opening scene in the forest not in the opening scene in the battle in Kosovo but in that forest in Silver Falls yeah yeah when they're in that forest I uh I don't I don't think that that forest is near Silver Falls I mean it could be but I, I don't know that looked like British Columbia to me but um yeah when they when he's hunting those hunters and using traps and like showing up behind them. I mean, that is literally 90% of the movie First Blood, right? When that's happening. Yeah. He's just ghosting people in the forest. Yeah. And let me back up and just say
1: that first scene, I, I made a note in the the Warzone scene was way over the top, dude. Like, Oh, yeah. It looked it, ridiculous. It just looked like they were trying to show like the, the, the future in Terminator where the world is just like scorched. Yeah. <laughs> And there's just explosions going on left and right, all over the place. Like I just, I was like, I'm having a hard time believing this. This is what a war zone looks like. It just felt like it was way overdone. But that was the only note I had about that. And yeah, you're right. It just totally felt like they were like, "Hey, while you guys are shooting Rambo: First Blood, can we get in there and shoot a few scenes for this other movie?" And they just took the cameras, you know, took everything and just shot the other movie because it it felt like they they happened in the same time
0: and place. Yeah. So another um, important thing to think about, or sorry, another comparison to Rambo is the man who trained the Special Forces soldier is employed to to hunt that Special Forces soldier, right? This movie flips it on its head and makes, what is that guy's name in Rambo? Kurtz? Something like that? The Colonel? Yeah, the Colonel. Um, I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember. Right. It flips it and makes him the main character and makes Rambo the bad guy, right? That's what this is about. Right. Apparently, this movie is actually based on a true story. Um, a guy who... Let me see here. Doo, 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 doo. The technical advisor for this film was Tom Brown Jr., an American outdoorsman and wilderness survival expert. The story is actually partially inspired by a real-life incident involving Brown, who was asked to track down a former pupil and split special fortress sergeant black special forces sergeant who had evaded capture by the authorities the story is retold in tom's book case files of the tracker chapter two my frankenstein this describes brown tracking and fighting with a former special operations veteran so apparently this actually happened in some sort of way um But it really does feel like Friedkin or the writers were like, read that book and were like, well, that's cool. Let's make this into a Rambo movie. And it pales in comparison to First Blood. First Blood is probably my favorite Stallone movie, right up there with Rocky. Oh man, it just, like having this like
1: Green Beret that is like disenchanted and like obviously suffering from some severe PTSD, like... You know, having him be the focus worked so much more for this kind of like tortured warrior like that you're rooting for, even though he's the outlaw or whatever, or the fugitive like that yeah. landed so much better for me than this movie.
0: That's kind of my frustration with this movie is they didn't really lean into that enough. I thought that they were trying to tell like, uh, yeah, this guy got messed up by war or, right. or whatever, and but we the should actually kind of feel bad for go. him. Yeah, They just don't really show it enough that like he's not a bad person He was twisted. And then at the end, when Tommy Lee Jones is reading his letters and then burns them, it's almost like he didn't care. I don't know. Like, I was like, what are they saying here? I feel like they're kind of like being like, get over it, soldiers, or something. I don't know. It didn't work for me.
1: You know what? I found myself not really caring about that guy that much. Like, I was going to say, I know the actor's talented, but um, I just, you know, I I thought that they were going to try something like that, too, where it really showed him – the psychology of like what he had to go through and why he's on the outs now, you know, like it's not, he's not trying to be difficult. He's struggling with the morality of it and what it's done to him and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And instead, like we just had this guy running and almost like um, emotionless at times where he's just kind of just trying to get away over and over and over again. And he kind of turned into an actual bad guy. Where like Tommy Lee Jones was really portrayed as like this hero. When I'm like, are you a hero? You're chasing down a dude who's like got all kinds of problems because of a program that you helped produce.
0: You know, like well, I just honestly I don't get his like I didn't get Benicio del Toro's motivation to commit the murders. Like he's out in the forest and he kills those hunters and like at first he's like. Oh, those scopes and like all that technology, like he used that to kill animals, yeah, like blah blah blah. Yeah, and and like he's telling him that they're sweepers, but then at the same time he's like, "What if a better?" Like it, it seemed like he had like maybe an anti-hunting bias or something. Like I, I honestly, I was like, I don't really get what's what they're doing character wise with this character. Yeah, Like I, I don't I, understand what I'm supposed to latch on to with him.
1: I just operated the whole time as if they like they were proven to be sleepers cuz are sweepers, sorry. Yeah, they, after a while I thought they that too. straight up were actively hunting him. If, if it was actually dude's just on a hunting trip, you think they'd be like, "Yo bro, I'm just out here shooting deer." Like, what are we ha- what are we doing here, you know? And instead they're like looking around for him and stuff. And I was like, "Okay, those guys are for sure looking for him." Like, that feels confirmed to me. And I just kind of operated with that assumption, although I realize now they never really proved that.
0: Yeah, well, except for that when the, the shadowy government organization shows up and they're like, we're taking him. And then they put him in the armored car and they're like, all right, here's this thing. Inhale it and kill yourself. Right. It's like, okay, so wait, is it going? Like, is it is? Are they out to get him? You know, like.
1: But then they or is don't he a really bad guy? With that, yeah. but
0: the, yeah, and then he escapes and goes into the mine and kills Rand, you know, a bunch of good normal people instead of just <laughs> evading, right? You know, so it's like they kind of flip flopped a little bit. You know, I was kind of having a hard time really tracking how I was supposed to feel about him.
1: Yeah, it's and I think that's for sure.
0: that's the main frustration I had with this movie. Yeah, I ended saying. up not feeling much for him at all, which was the problem. I think, especially.
1: Because with Rambo, dude, you you feel it the whole time. You're like, yes. that guy just wanted freaking breakfast and now look what he's doing. He's just ripping people up and like you know, and you, could, you can feel his frustration where he doesn't want to be out there. He wants to just go back to a normal civilian
0: life and they won't let him do that. Oh, that yeah. middle monologue at the end where he's talking to the oh, colonel in the home. room after just shredding that man on the roof. Yeah. He like, <laughs> yeah, he just brings it home. He, big time. Yeah, really, really is like talking about you know, the problems that the Vietnam War veterans experienced and it's just sort of. Yeah. You want to just cry for him like it sucks. Yeah. And like, it's really emotional. with, with this, in guy, this movie, they we didn't get chance. that. Man. Yeah. yeah a we should cancer,
1: have. And they didn't do anything with it. So we yeah.
0: really should have gotten at least that amount of emotion for Benicio Del Toro to make like I'm OK with them. Like Tommy Lee Jones being like, no, you become something else and you need to be put down. You either need to turn yourself in and give up or I'm going to take you out. You got to stop. Yeah. That's fine. I'm okay with that motivation, but you have to give me a reason to care that that's happening. And they don't. And they kind of show through the messages on film, visually, that we shouldn't care. Like by him throwing away, like burning the letters and not caring about them and us not even really getting to hear his stories, even though the letters he was writing to Tommy Lee Jones were literally him being like, I'm struggling, help me. And Tommy Lee Jones is just ignoring them. Yeah. Honestly, Tommy Lee Jones is the villain of this movie. Yeah, that's what I said. I feel like he turns <laughs> oh, into kind of a villain. Like, I thought you were talking about Benicio Del
1: Toro when you said that. Sorry. I, honestly, kind of both, to be honest with yeah, you. Like, yeah, no one I think I was is good. was referring to Benicio Del Toro there, but, like, yeah, they're both kind of unlikable. Like, I don't think... I was rooting for either one of them. I think when they were fighting at the end, I was just gonna kind of like, I hope
0: you kind of kill each other. Like, I did like that fight scene though. It was brutal.
1: So I had really a note here, good segue here. I had a note here that first off when Tommy Lee Jones uh, unsnares the wolf and then, is like is this your snare and then he like snares the guy and smashes his face into the and table.
0: points at the next guy
1: don't yeah <laughs> i was dying laughing that was a hilarious introduction to a character i kind of wish that they had more of that
0: shit in the movie i <laughs> wish he was kind like, of more of that type of badass yeah because that, yeah, that, like, that that like move that was
1: hilarious yeah
0: honestly the physicality of him just like
1: Smash flipping
0: that. up and pointing like i was like damn i haven't seen Tommy Lee Jones do something that aggressive yeah, in, was, a in a long time. Unbelievable!
1: I was like, "Damn, this guy's a salve. And then, and then they didn't do much else with that. But I, I made a note that that was hilarious. He just knocks that dude out yeah. in no time. And then, um, the first hand-to-hand fight scene between Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio del Toro, I just wrote down cringe. Like it was just this <laughs> because weird, it was like a lot like, of like slapping. silent, silent slap fighting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is happening right now? Because they they didn't play. Any real sound around it? it no, was, like, he
0: didn't do sorry. any like non-diagetic music or score during yeah, the fight scenes. It was, it was very silent, so very you're not like natural like, sounds.
1: Any like like hard punches? You're not really seeing any damage being inflicted. These two guys are just like slapping each other's hands away. <laughs> I was like, wait, these guys are both trained killers. What is happening right now?
0: I think they were doing like some form of judo or something, Which it looked like to me. But, yeah. Fine,
1: like I, I'm not criticizing whether their technique was good. It was more like. When you as someone who watches, on, okay. yeah, like I, I, it needs to play on a screen for me. Like, I don't sure. care if it's actually the best way to fight. If it doesn't look good or sound good on the screen, it just comes off as cringeworthy. Like, yeah. you know, slap, slap, slap. And like, I was like, okay, I I'm, this isn't doing much for me. It was awkward.
0: As someone who wrestled for two years in high school and watches a lot of like UFC and boxing and stuff, like a lot of early fights, like parts of fights is a lot of like kind of like getting into position and like kind of checking to see what reflexes and looking to see how someone is going to react. And so like, I mean, felt real, but I don't agree that it wasn't very visually interesting. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't disagree. Um, I definitely like was watching those scenes and being like, what, (laughs) what is happening right now? Um, But the fight scene at the end was I thought really good, but again, no score, just pretty intense. Just people yeah, getting stabbed. I think that, was just, that was a creative
1: decision, obviously
0: that they, yeah, they were trying much. to get you to focus on the brutality of,
1: you know, two men, you know, with killing each other between them. Yeah. So the last two notes I have one as Hallam's, you know, getting away and they're back in the woods right before the final fight scene. I, I wrote down a note about how much I hate, how movies just gloss over people swimming comfortably in full clothes with boots on? Like, yeah. I, I I. It's the same issue I had with the freaking Hobbit, where the bad guy at the end is like floating underneath the water with his full armor on, and I'm like, you must weigh four hundred pounds because you're a massive individual, and then you're just floating, you know, in
0: you know. <laughs> Not only does he swim with all of his clothes, including a jacket and boots on, he He's in the Pacific Northwest. It's cold up here, even in the summer. Yeah, like that water is freezing. Second, he's swimming across a current. Right. Like that is... Completely
1: unbelievable. I was like, there's no way.
0: Have you ever jumped into a pool with like... like, Or been pushed in with like jeans and shoes on? Sure. And tried to swim? And it's completely it Undoable. it's actually like terrifying yeah. i've taken my sh- i i take my shoes off and i i it's it's actually really scary to me Even like just, i yeah. don't like it you're so restricted in your movement it is it's, so difficult you're
1: barely moving and like you're it's already difficult to swim you know so it's like <laughs> You, well, I mean, I'm not a fucking fish. Like, it's, yeah, I get it. <laughs> this really was a funny thing. I don't know why, but but, anyway. but at the same time, like, you know, putting any level of complication on there is is absolutely fear-inducing. And like, this dude is yeah. just like swimming away in full clothing, and I was just like, and I just made a you know a note just saying swimming away in full clothing and boots? Question <laughs> mark Like, no yeah. way. And and even if you did struggle across, you would be absolutely exhausted. By the time you got there, so you know, don't yeah. try to. And I think even Tommy Lee Jones is like, well, this guy swims like a fish. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, let's let's do a, a test with Phelps. You know, just strap a bunch of clothes on him and boots and see how he does. I bet you he would struggle too.
0: You know, yeah. Like, um, unless he grows a grows fins when he jumps in the water, I don't believe that he swims like a fish. Yeah. Um, this movie was made on a 55 million dollar budget and only grossed uh 45 million total at the box office before we Um, do this wrap up one last. well i wanted to oh wait let me let's save your last note i did want to quickly compare it to a better tommy lee jones hunting a human movie sure sure the fugitive which takes place in new york i believe um maybe a better city for hunting a man I think that the way that he they compare Portland to a wilderness and the, like the way that Portland is sort of built into the forest really lends itself into this movie where he can seamlessly switch between a metropolitan setting and a forest setting. That's true. Like as soon as you get out of the metropolitan area, we are surrounded on all sides by trees. forest. Yep. Yeah, just it's honestly, it's my favorite part about living in Oregon and, you know, or the Pacific Northwest in general. I love the setting of everything like that um so i get why they they shot it here but the fugitive way better movie you get a sense of who each character is you get your motivations i thought this movie was going to be the fugitive part two which is actually us marshals which is a different movie not as good as the fugitive but the fugitive I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? We watched the we watched the Fugitive a lot growing up. Just a better movie,
1: I, I mean, and you care about the guy that's getting chased in this movie. Yes. don't care about Benicio del Toro. So and I and think that's, that's exactly what feels to what it me is. like it's the big linchpin here. Is any other movie where you know the man getting chased is somebody I care about? It's like thrilling because you want him to get away in each moment. Benicio del Toro, I didn't even care. I was just like, you know, hopefully we get to see more Portland. <laughs> but anyway um cool what was your last note last note was just that uh like them arming up at the end of the film hallam is literally forging a knife in the woods
0: and yeah out of like
1: discarded iron from the water treatment plant and building the booby traps and i thought how much time did you have and also isn't that a very sensitive process where like if you don't heat it to the right degree and stuff like the metal becomes super weak like i don't know a ton about it but i just felt like that was extremely unlikely to just start a fire and you I know. just I don't think it's
0: that easy to forge a knife with just like you like you know he didn't have a hammer he didn't have an anvil he's no. using a rock and another piece of iron yeah I was like and hell? I was and just sort of like
1: away, like the finished product I was like that's actually a pretty nice knife <laughs> like this is ridiculous. I mean look
0: it's possible definitely possible is it going to take a really long time and like you have to get that hot that fire really hot. so hot to get yeah. to, or like you have to let the the iron, the iron sit in there for a really long time for it to get that hot, that it can yeah. be forced and like had that. A bunch so, of
1: booby traps. I don't, I don't know. I was like, I don't know what's going on here,
0: but yeah, I also yeah. really liked that. Like all the booby traps, Benicio del Toro's watching him. And then Tommy Lee Jones falls into the river and gets washed over to the stones and he climbs out. And it just so happens to be the one that Benicio del Toro has been sitting at the whole time. I was like, okay, that's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it worked.
1: Yeah, so that's, I, all, that's all I had on this movie. I don't have much <clears throat> more commentary other than hey, it was fun to watch, but I probably wouldn't do it again. Yeah,
0: I don't, it's not a movie that will make my rewatch rotation, but it was absolutely fine. Um, and yeah, it deserved all the money it didn't make. Um, yeah, I should have picked The Fugitive or U.S. Marshals or First Blood. But I had already seen all of those a bunch of times and I wanted to see something new. So there we go. Um, let's quickly just say what movie we're watching next week before we get into what we've been watching, reading, listening to.
1: Yep. I'm taking Jeff's choice. Uh, and I'm choosing 1987's The Running Man starring Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Based on the Stephen King short story. Great movie. Very excited to talk about this with you guys. One
1: of of the Schwarzenegger films I've not seen yet. So I'm looking forward to continuing to. Uh, check those off the list because Schwarzenegger is just an all-time one-line dropper and I'm hoping for some gold in this movie.
0: Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good ones in
1: this movie, actually. Awesome. Um, Cool. So looking forward to that next week. Hopefully we got Jeff back by then.
0: Um, Yeah, I just quickly want to say apparently this movie was directed by... starsky from starsky and hutch the tv series Isn't like the that actual oh the
1: actor or the yeah the actor what running man or the hunted
0: the running man
1: cool Let's see that's crazy
0: i didn't know that it's just uh 80s classic i'd never yeah. really considered oh. who would have i thought maybe it was uh paul verhobe or something Sorry, real quick
1: wait. uh the hunted tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes, oh yeah percent
0: 29 fully Oof. rotten audience were 47%, a
1: little bit more generous.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, rotten. it just means that 28% said it wasn't a very good movie. That doesn't mean that 28% thought this was a bad movie. Or I mean, like, you know what I mean? They just didn't think it was a good movie. They didn't rent it, rate it positively or whatever. Um, what, one thing I like about Rotten Tomatoes is that the critics either just say good or bad. Right. But then that, that percentage is kind of misleading. Right. But at any rate, I, I thought this movie was better than like the first Suicide Squad movie, which is, I feel, unwashable garbage, right? Like I think that this movie is genuinely fine. You follow the plot, you get the idea and then you do it, you know, very. And then you get to watch people run around Portland, Oregon. So yep, that's anyway, cool. Brian, you had mentioned that you have been just consuming media this week.
1: Yeah, I had a hell of a week.
0: I did not. So I'm just going to let you hammer through.
1: Cool. Uh, We'll get one of the...
0: Or should I I get my two out quickly?
1: Yeah, spin them out.
0: All right. Uh, I picked up my Switch and started playing a game called Life in Random a couple weeks back. Finally picked it up. Absolutely love it. Awesome game. It's a combination between like a deck builder, and on-rails action slasher, um, third person you, in like a Tim Burton world, I don't know, if you have a similar sensibility and style to me, in that regard, you like that kind of weirder, darker stuff, like this game is very fun so far. Um, I great? love the art direction. No, but it was like, 10, I bought it on sale, it was like 5 or $10 or something like that, I think it's on there, on the Nintendo store. Um, really, really a lot of fun. Like, And I was playing it on my Switch Lite, um, but then Did a little trade with the sister-in-law and have the full-size switch, which I'm actually loving that trade. Um, So I'm like switching between like portable and having it up on the TV and yeah, just absolutely loving the game. So high recommend on that one. And then Yellow Jacket season two had its premiere last week and absolutely incredible first episode. Um, brought you right back into the vibe of the show. Felt like just a continuation of the first season. It felt like Sorry. just the next episode. One Sorry. one
1: sentence brief recap of what that show is.
0: Um, it's basically a, a a reimagining of Lord of the Flies. A um, girls' high school soccer team crashes in in like the Canadian wilderness in, on a plane crash, um, and. They are surviving, and then it's told concurrently with um a small group of the survivors at like as adults, and uh we're kind of seeing how their lives unfold like and horrible
1: happen, yeah,
0: so yeah, like there is rumors that they like ate people and killed people, you know what I mean, killed and ate each other um or were doing something factions maybe developed before they got rescued kind of Lord of the Flies esque, but that's sort of unfolding. And then they're telling the story of them as like 40 year old moms and some weird shit is happening on that end too. And there's also this stay on the Island or whatever, or like there's other, like, yeah, there's like other crime stuff going on around them and they're like kind of dealing with it because they they're and they're so tight knit from like keeping secrets from their past and shit. Right. Um, it's got Melanie Linsky who you most recently saw in the last of us as the lady who lost her brother and so she was trying to kill oh, yeah. the, that black guy right yeah, yeah. <coughs> and his deaf brother um, she, so she's great in this is probably her, my favorite role of hers I think she I always have thought she's a really good actress but she's incredible in this um, also she's Australian. I always forget that, but she has like a really heavy Australian accent in interviews. Um Christina Ricci is in it, and she is the love of my life. I've been I've had a crush on her since I was a child and it sticks through. Every time she's on screen, I just like smile. She's crushing it. She's amazing. Juliette Lewis is in it. Um and others, yeah. It's just it's good. It's really good. Very strong recommend on that. Season one was my favorite show that year um and uh my wife and i couldn't wait to watch it every week and then season two i was kind of worried um that they weren't going to be able to capture the magic but literally first episode of season two just feels like the next episode in season one it just carries yeah, the exact same mood over right yep comes out one episode at a time but all of season oh one is out on amazon it is awesome i love this show and elijah wood is joining the cast uh for season two in the first episode you hear his voice um, on like the phone or on like a recording or something. And uh, I was like, that's Frodo. Frodo. (laughs) Frodo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he's going to be paired up with Christina Ricci. So it's like, two of my favorites running like running along together because Christina Ricci is like one of those people who's like obsessed with true crime and she like does like detectivist stuff on the internet you know and she's in like all the detective community amateur detective communities her character right yeah her character and Elijah Wood is also in that community so it's just going to be the two of them being weird and nerdy and playing off each other and I'm like I am here for that uh yeah really love it and that's the only other thing I watched this week so all right Um, jump
1: in on that. that sounds like a fun time
0: Give it a shot. I feel like Anna would really like it too. So cool. you know, maybe try to find a way to get her. Give I'd say give it two episodes. Um, the first episode kind of just introduces you to everything, and then the second episode kind of gets things going. Um, and then yeah, let me know. Anyway, Brian, what have you been watching, reading, listening to, and what do you want to recommend us? Yes,
1: uh, I'm gonna get through some of the garbage I I went through first, and I'll say, um, the top one was replicas which is a keanu reeves movie. keanu reeves movie <laughs> i almost said john wick and uh dude that john terrible.
0: wick chapter four movie is um, getting the best reviews of the franchise is it I, right now yeah it just came out and people yeah. are like you have to go see it and i'm like yeah. god damn it i'm dying to see that out. and dungeons and dragons yeah
1: i'm thinking about slipping out on tuesday for a movie and i don't know how i'm gonna pick between those two because <laughs> you are look awesome I, i'm thinking about it slipping out like in the morning for a movie because oh. Uh, the kid will, will have grandma.
0: I was gonna say, dude, I'll I'll go with you, but if you're gonna do it in the morning, it'll probably, yeah, probably be in the morning. Um, anyway, I'll call in to work. So, I'll cut this out. <laughs> uh, replicas,
1: uh, absolutely freaking terrible. Don't go watch the movie. Uh, it's a movie about Keanu Reeves, who's like a I don't know, like a geneticist or something, and he's like working on a top secret project to figure out how to like, uh transfer the human mind to synthetic uh, robots and his project is like stalling out and um, he's gonna like lose his funding and then one night he gets into a car accident with his whole family in the car and he's the only one that survives somehow without a scratch and in his desperation he decides to like hide the fact that they died and use his work to like transfer their conscious, like their minds into. I remember when it was coming out, I was like, it seems
0: interesting. Yeah. they just
1: didn't do the right. They didn't take the right creative decisions to make that thing work. It was an interesting concept that just did not land because, um, I don't know. The whole movie just sucked. To be honest with you, I, I can't get into a more detailed reason why it's not worth spending the time on. It just wasn't very good. Um, moving on. Uh, I also watched over a three day stretch, uh the entire chronicles of riddick trilogy I, I watched, okay pitch
0: black chronicles of riddick and then
1: riddick and i watched them completely out of order i watched number three on the first day number one on the second day and number two on the third day <laughs> because, because i the they're getting touted on netflix it was like in my face i'm sure yeah stuff i click on vin
0: diesel is really trying to bring back the bring it back right now. Oh, okay, um, yeah. I, He's like, I think that he's about to announce a new movie or maybe just did. Um. Anyway. So what did you think? Had you seen all three of them before? Yeah.
1: I'd seen all three of them before. I'd kind of forgotten that there was a third one, even though it's the most recent. And then yeah. like, it popped up in my face and I was like, eh, fuck it. I'll watch that. I don't have anything to watch right now. So I put it on and was like, all right, that made me want to watch pitch black, but I don't feel like watching number two. Cause it's a totally different vibe from pitch black. The, number one and number three are very similar it's like him with some outlaw team that are on a planet trying to survive the the hostile um you know local life forms and number two is completely different he's like going up against an intergalactic empire that's like conquering the universe and- yeah
0: and it kind of retells hamlet or no uh yeah it's him no macbeth kind of retells oh. macbeth with carl urban's character I where he like that. wants to yeah, he and just, his wife are killing the king, you know? Yeah, that's funny.
1: Um, you know, it's still Riddick. I mean, I, I, I enjoy Vin Diesel for what he what he offered back in those days. It's oh, like, boy. It's like the original XXX. I'd watch it just because it's... That like, second movie
0: is not good. That second movie is a very you, bad you're movie. Pitch Black, though, aren't you? I love Pitch Black. Yeah. But it's like a low-budget sci-fi action, like, adventure. You know what I mean? Like, that's right up my alley. Yeah. Um, Number two is just like, what the hell is happening here? Like, this is so different. You know yeah, what I mean? It was
1: a completely different thing.
0: And then number three goes back and it's basically just Pitch Black 2. It's, it's, what it's is basically she, the same. Right, movie. it's the same story. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: higher budget, which kind of takes away from it in some ways. like Yeah, sort of.
0: I still like it, but yeah, Pitch Black is awesome. Yeah, um, no, I do. Yeah. I, I just like the Riddick character. and Riddick for Furia has been confirmed as of February this year. Um, it will start filming in late 2023 with a 2024-2025 release date. I'm watching it yeah i'm in i'll watch it yeah you know i'll I'll... say
1: this though i'm like i don't want to pass too many comments on people's body types or anything but i will say this i'm kind of hoping he slims down a little bit more for this next one like there was a a jarring difference between the early riddick where he's just this like he's almost uh like lean even though he's a stocky guy for the first two movies and then in the third one he definitely had more weight on him and like Mm -hmm. he's solid and strong but like Riddick is not just strength; he's like speed, and you know, there's just more to him than that. And and it just didn't it, like the third movie; just he just felt different. I could feel the age on him. So I'm kind of hoping they figure out a way to dial that back. To yeah, when well, he's young and lean in the first one, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it was Vin a Diesel. very noticeable difference when you watch those back to back that he had changed significantly over time. Yeah. Oh, he's I do still, quickly want absolute stud. I just want to make sure that's clear.
0: Yeah, I do quickly want to walk something back. I think I had said that Vin Diesel was like 5'8 a couple of weeks back. I looked it up; he's like six foot six foot tall. So mm. he's not that much shorter than the Rock, but still, I don't know if you've ever stood next to someone who's six three. Brian, you and I are both six about six feet tall. Um, I feel like a dwarf compared to uh, yeah people who are six three. So if Vin Diesel was standing next to the Rock, I think he would look a lot smaller. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of him in Pitch Black and. He's still like cut, you know what I mean? Like he's still in great shape, but he is definitely like way leaner than he looks now. And he has like a jawline. It's crazy to see Vin Diesel this young man. I haven't watched this movie in a long time. I just
1: think if you're going to reprise the same character, you got to kind of make sure that the body type change isn't too significant to where, I don't know. I don't have many examples of that happening, but I just feel like he was like, I'm still muscular, so I'm just going to go with it. And it's like, no, nah, you kind of got to, like, nod back to the what the character looked like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. anyway. Man, I, I got to throw pitch black on. This movie is awesome. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's on Netflix. So, moving on. Um, also watched The Thing last night, but the 2011 remake, instead mm. of the original that we all watched for the pod a couple of uh, runs back uh it was really good really enjoyed it it had that's so um, funny some pretty recognizable faces in it um joel edgerton mary elizabeth winstead yep um the the dude that played mr echo and lost was in it um (laughs) oh yeah him whatever his name is (laughs) i have no idea yeah but anyway he's just a recognizable face one of those guys you don't know his name but you know who he is and you're like oh hey dude how are you
0: (laughs) yeah a famous that guy as i like to say yeah uh but anyway uh it was really good man um it's funny that you say that. So it this movie actually got sort of – is sort of hated. I liked it. Yeah, I it was I'll, I'll come out and say I liked it. But it's sort of hated for the fact that they originally shot all of the film with um, practical effects the same way that they did the first movie. And then the studio was like, people won't like this put cgi over it and so they layered cgi over the practical effects so it gives it like but it was like at the last minute so they're like kind of rubbery cgi effects and they just don't look that good whereas like part of the the bit that i love about the original is the practical effects like i genuinely like i love that it's it's so fun to me to like see all of that craziness and like just wonder how they did it and all the weirdness of it i love that so not doing it was, I I still feel, just like gotcha. the worst the worst choice. Now, I still thought it was a fun movie. I liked that. So what it does is it tells the story. Like in the first thing movie, Kurt Russell gets in his helicopter with a, with another dude and they go to the Norwegian camp. And you see all of these different ways that people died, but you never get the story. This movie literally tells that story. And so you get to see how every single person got into... So if you watch them back to back, you literally watch and you watch the second thing first. Right, you'll see cool. exactly what happened when they go there. It's I think that's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: uh, um, yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, I don't know how much more to say about than that. I, I just enjoyed it for a kind of a horror film that you can throw on on a random <laughs> movie.
0: What, what was your favorite transformation in the movie? There is a right answer to this.
1: Is it the one with the doctor and the helicopter where his face just kind of splits open? No,
0: like, I, I. I actually didn't like that one um, because it's too much CGI. But the best one is when the Mary Elizabeth Winstead's doing the like the exam on the woman in the the room, and then the body just breaks in half backwards, yeah. and nice. her stomach becomes a mouth, and it's running after her down the hallway, and like the upper body is just yeah. like dangling behind. Disgusted by that. Yeah. Freaky dude, fucking freaky. I was like, damn, that is crazy looking. Yeah uh that is the that's honestly like you could do a movie just with that character as the monster and that would be a terrifying yeah or like the
1: two guys that were like merging together oh yeah the faces and yeah coming after homeboy making you look at that which was horrible dude yeah moving on um i watched a documentary on hbo called it's a three-part series called the murders at starved rock Mm. which yeah this is on my list actually which covers uh A 1960 uh, brutal killing of three women um, at a place called Starved Rock. I can't remember what state it's in. And the arrest and subsequent uh, imprisonment of a man who spent 60 years in prison for the murder. And the documentary is uh, created by the son of the prosecuting attorney that put him behind bars, who's questioning whether they got the right guy. And and it makes it very compelling because he's interviewing his own father in the last years of his his father's life. And his dad's like admitting that he didn't even believe the confession that they used to put him behind bars. And yet he's like, we got the right guy. I'm not questioning that. But yeah, you're right. That confession was probably coerced and it didn't line up with the, the details at the murder scene. And he's like, then how can you use that to put a guy behind bars? And he's like, because we got the right guy. And it's like, oh my Oof. God, oh my That's God. a yeah. punch. Damn, I got to watch so, this. Th- so there's a lot of really compelling stuff in there. But the, the best part of it is I think that the, oftentimes when you walk it, watch a documentary, the documentarian or whatever is often trying to keep the narrative pointed towards one conclusion, which is they are guilty or they're not guilty or whatever. This one, I think he does a good job of just questioning everything. Because, you know, right as you start to be like, this guy's innocent, he starts questioning the guy's side of things. And he's like, man, he told me some stuff that was kind of inconsistent in some interviews. And I don't like here. He flat out lied to me like this. What he said here, like I'm, I refuse to believe that, you know, the defense attorney would say that, you know, it's it's fascinating. I, I think it, it was it was a really good, um, you know, enjoyable documentary. I, I've, I've watched a couple on HBO uh, that I thought were entertaining and I was really hoping to find another one and, and this one landed for me. I thought it was fun, a fun watch. Um, cool. Sounds good to me. All right, moving on. Uh, last one I got right now is... Um, well, I'll say I finished Hunters Season 2 or like the final of Hunters. Uh Really good. Um, you know, Jeff and I both talked uh different times about the flaws in season two. I won't get into it. Uh, Hunters is absolutely worth watching. It's, uh, you know, Jews, you know, maybe 30, 40 years after the Holocaust, hunting down Nazis who managed to uh, evade justice at the end of World War Two and assimilate into different societies. They're just hunting them down and killing them, and it's it's entertaining. I think the Logan Lerman is the guy's name, right? The actor? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he leads uh, a cast that also has Al Pacino and a couple other people in it. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. last one I have is the unbearable weight of massive talent. Oh, it is available on Amazon. So I watched it the other day. Awesome. Um, what did you think? Um, I liked, I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought it was just absolute, uh, absolutely just scream nick cage the whole time i thought the the storyline was just like i feel like this is real i feel like he actually feels this way about his own career and himself i think he might the i way, think he the, might The way that he was making out with his younger self i was just like there's no way anyone else wrote that into the story that had to be the <laughs> cage edition that's so disgusting it's still so disgustingly nick cage it's not even funny like he's literally making out with his younger self anyway uh, i love
0: that version of the younger nick cage it is so it's first of all so weird looking with like all the makeup on to make him try to look younger again but just like his attitude throughout where he's just like you gotta be out there man and just like yelling and like you're nick fucking yeah oh my god so funny to me so
1: and everything with him and Pedro Pascal where they were like in this bromance together was freaking hilarious. I was enjoying every bit of it. I got to say the way they wrapped it up though just didn't land for me. Like the way that they – like at the end they just it, – like it, they made it into a movie. Like they were talking about this mo- – like this movie they were making the whole time. But they were basically just describing the film that we were watching. Yeah. And then, and then at the end – it concludes with the movie premiere where he's become a superstar again. And I'm like, like all the stuff that they were pointing out about like his flaws and his approach to being a father and how selfish he is about his whole career. Like, I don't feel like we got enough resolution on any of that stuff. He just got the affirmation he was looking for and, and like, like is not a better man for it today. Like I, I was kind of struggling with the way they wrapped that up without really making him a better person at the end of the movie. I didn't understand that. And like Pedro Pascal as the director didn't even sit next to him at the premiere, he just like shows up after you know the yeah. cage stands up and gets all the adulation. Like Pedro Pascal's like, I couldn't watch, I couldn't watch. Like, how did we do? Oh, they loved it, man, great. All right, I'll catch you later. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, that's the end. Are you serious? I mean, so I had a hard time with that. I thought that was kind of a weak ending to a really endings
0: cool ending. are hard. Endings are hard, but I I didn't look down on the movie for it. I it didn't just, ruin it. Didn't ruin it. Yeah, I it was, it was still fun. I love that movie. I thought it was so fun when it came, when I went and saw it. I really enjoyed my time with that movie. And yeah, high recommend for me. Cool. Well, I think that's the whole show. I think that's everything. Um, Jeff, did you have anything? Oh yeah, that's right. Jeff's not here. Oh, sorry. All right. Jeff. See you guys. First of all, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We've actually been like gaining listeners with all of the difficulties we've had getting episodes out. It's like the, uh, the intermittency is like building up hype or something. Um, so, thank you to all new listeners. I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week. We'll be talking about the running man, and we'll see if Jeff returns from his maiden voyage off to wherever he was Sacramento, I believe. Thank yeah. you. Bye.